Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. I hope you'll listen to this program. It's going to be very, very important, I believe. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I'm going to push back, so we're going to get a little deep, on the idea of socialism and collectivism, big government progressivism, which is obviously really caught on in this country. Child care plans, tax plans, wealth plans, health care plans, college plans, reparation plans, and the list goes on and on. And I think it's important to get to the fundamentals. We don't learn them in school anymore, whether it's government schools, colleges, or universities. You don't hear them debated on TV anymore. Gone are the days of Bill Buckley and Milton Friedman. Uh, Gone are the days of most, not all. We have some good columnists, but not a lot. And in many ways, the conservative intellectual movement is dead. And I keep trying to breathe some life into it. And we're also told it doesn't do any good. And the reason is, ladies and gentlemen, more and more, even so-called conservatives of every strut, more and more we judge success through government accomplishments. More and more we judge success by interpreting our own individual lives, our familial lives, through what we hear on TV and radio in terms of big government. The whole mindset of the country has changed. The language of the country has changed. We had a revolution for individual liberty, not centralized government. And we have individuals from all walks of life whose ancestors, or maybe a generation earlier, did not assimilate into this country. Some of them are now members of Congress. And they're pushing this foreign ideology, which is admittedly extremely popular in Europe, the Middle East, the Far East, Central and South America, and Canada, but has never taken root in America. It's taking root now. I also think we are handicapped to some extent with our so-called national populists. What's national populism? Again, it's not about individualism. It's about a different way to manipulate government or position government programs to help this group, that group, or another group. I'm not interested in that. We've got to be a little bit more fundamental about how we think of ourselves and how we think of society. When you go to a doctor, you don't give a damn if there's national health care or private sector health care and so forth and so on. You want your needs taken care of. 
You want the needs of your children and grandchildren or your spouse taken care of. What's the best way to accomplish that? Who gets to make those decisions? What doctor you see? What coverages you have? What medicines you have access to? When the nation was founded, there would be no dispute about this. You do. You do. I could just imagine in the first Congress, there's Madison, there's the greats. They're sitting there in Congress. And there's a young woman elected from New York. And she says, you're all wrong. We need to fundamentally transform America. Whatever you earn, uh, if it's up uh, past a certain amount, the government gets to take it. You don't need that money. We're going to have the government control your health care and the government control your education and the government control your child rearing and the government control. Can you imagine? Well, what's the difference between then and now? What's the difference between then and now? Our concept of liberty. Our concept of liberty. And that's what I want to address with you out of the box this evening. Liberty. Because either we become reacquainted with liberty or we're going to lose it. Or we're going to lose it. What is liberty? What do we mean by liberty? You know, there was a great libertarian in the middle of the last century or two centuries ago by John, named John Stuart Mill. I don't agree with everything he said. I don't agree with everything anybody said, but he was a brilliant man. And he wrote a book called Liberty. And Mill witnessed the growing influence and the tyrannical threat, even then, of the so-called reformers and what would later include the progressives. And he addressed them. Here's what he said in part. Some of those modern reformers who have placed themselves in strongest opposition to the religions of the past have been no way behind either churches or sects in their assertion of the right of spiritual domination. Their aims at establishing a despotism of society over the individual surpasses anything contemplated in the political ideal of the most rigid disciplinarian among the ancient philosophers. He's saying, look, Plato, Aristotle, Cicero, earlier Socrates, all these these great thinkers and great men, what's happening, even then, he said, was never even contemplated by them. I would argue it was contemplated by Plato and the Republic, but that's a footnote. In fact, as Mill was writing his books and essays, the ideologies of Rousseau, Hegel, Marx, among others, were taking tangible political form at the urging of intellectuals throughout the world, including in our country, in the West. He said, apart from the peculiar tenets of individual thinkers, there's also in the world at large an increasing inclination to stretch unduly the power of society over the individual, both by the force of opinion and even by that of legislation. And as the tendency of all the changes taking place in the world is to strengthen society and diminish the power of the individual, this encroachment is not one of the evils which tend spontaneously to disappear, but on the contrary, to grow more and more formidable. This disposition of mankind, he wrote, whether as rulers or as fellow citizens, 
to impose their own opinions and inclinations as a rule of conduct on others is so energetically supported by some of the best and by some of the worst feelings incident to human nature that it is hardly ever kept under restraint by anything but want of power. And as the power is not declining but growing, unless a stronger barrier of moral conviction can be raised against the the mischief, we must expect in the present circumstances of the world to see it increase. To see it increase. Just think of modern times, Bernie Sanders... Uh, these newly elected uh, women, first women Muslims elected to Congress, think of their agenda, think of the media, the agenda they're pushing. This power to impose their views on the rest of us is insatiable, gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And in more recent times, there's a man I hugely admire. He was Russian-British political theorist and philosopher, and he was a journalist, too. His name was Isaiah Berlin. I've talked about him before, and I want to talk about him again. He died about 20 years ago. And this is very important, so please, raise the volume on your radio. If you've got kids yelling in the back, tell them to shush for a minute. He examined liberty. He examined liberty by dividing it into two general but distinct categories, positive liberty and negative liberty. And this is confused all the time. As will become clear, there are, these are easily confused terms suggesting that positive liberty is something that is good and negative liberty is something that is bad or perhaps that positive liberty establishes liberty and negative liberty denies it. That is not the case. That's not what he was explaining. In fact, the contrary is mostly true. The contrary. Berlin explained that positive liberty is involved in the answer to this question. What or who is the source of control or interference that can determine someone to do or be this rather than that? This rather than that. The two questions are clearly different. The two questions are clearly different, even though the answers to them may overlap. So, conversely, liberty in the negative sense involves an answer to the question, what is the area within which the subject, a person or group of persons, is or should be left to do or be what he is able to do or be without interference by others? Negative liberty says, I have this circle of liberty around me, and you are not free to molest me. You are not free to enter that circle. Positive liberty says, who is free to enter the circle, and under what circumstances? You see the difference? Now, throughout the discussion of progressivism, again, from Rousseau and Hegel and Marx and so forth, The core themes have evolved around defining individual worth, salvation, and liberation through the lenses of the collective. Think about Bernie Sanders and his ilk. Through the lenses of the collective, scientifically managed by and through a centralized, unified governmental construct, which they often refer to as a living organism or body. Living and breathing, remember? 
said to represent the general will, the general welfare, national interests, and working masses, that is the proletariat. And this organism, this central government, working on behalf of the people, will only act rationally, will only be in control of itself when its various parts are forced into line with some rational plan devised by its wise governors. Health care for all, there can't be any exceptions. Free education, college for all, there can't be any exceptions. In his 1958 inaugural lecture on the two concepts of liberty and its follow-up essays, Berlin explained that studies about politics and philosophy in academia spring from and thrive on discord. Discord, you see it. Someone may question this on the ground that even in a society of saintly anarchists where no conflicts about ultimate purposes can take place, political problems, for example, constitutional legislative issues might still arise, but this objection rests on a mistake. Where the ends are agreed to, the only questions left are those of means. And these are not political but technical. That is to say, capable of being settled by experts or machines. He's describing progressivism. Like arguments between engineers or doctors. That is why those who put their faith in some immense world-transforming phenomenon, like the final triumph of reason of the proletarian revolution, must believe that all political and moral problems can thereby be turned into technological ones, solved by experts. That is the meaning of Frederick Engels' famous phrase about replacing the government of persons by the administration of things. And the Marxist prophecies about the withering away of the state and the beginning of the true history of humanity. This outlook is called utopian by those for whom speculation about this condition of perfect social harmony is the play of idle fancy. Now I might add these proposals about universal this and reforming that and centralized this, getting rid of insurance companies and drug companies, that's what he's talking about. That's the modern-day manifestation of this ideology. A social harmony that is perfect. A utopia. For the general good, the general welfare, national interests, working masses. The populists. And he says, nevertheless, a visitor from Mars to any British or American university today might perhaps be forgiven if he sustained the impression that its members lived in something very like the innocent and idyllic state for all the serious attention that is paid to fundamental problems of politics by professional philosophers. So, in this, Berlin said that the people ignore, listen, this is important, the people ignore the academics and intellectuals at their own peril, since it is they who devise and develop the philosophical and political notions upon which politics is practiced. Look at Venezuela. Maduro is a self-proclaimed Marxist communist, as was his predecessor. And what Berlin is saying is, you better be involved in these debates about ideology and philosophy, because in the end, it's these 
ideologies and philosophies that are imposed on us through politics and affect your life. I will continue this when I return. Mark The new congressional leadership is in Tampa. There's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. After the bottom of the hour, there's only a few minutes left in this segment, and I cannot do this subject justice. This is out of Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. I'm on to my next book, but if enough people had read this book, I really think there'd be fundamental changes in this country for the better. Because the real liberation philosophy is ours. I think that many of the minorities who have been... uh, hoodwinked by the left and the Democrat Party understood that constitutional conservatism, if you will, is about respecting the individual and the the liberation of the individual. Uh, We'd have more and more individuals who would be embracing it. And it's very difficult when you have a mob which has taken over the media, taken over our classrooms, receives tenure, taken over our culture, including Hollywood, what you see on TV, what you hear on radio, what you read in books, and more and more of it, who push this really anti-American founding agenda, this, this imported ideology from Europe, as I say, from Hegel and Marx and Rousseau, and it is a devastating ideology. In the end, whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years or twenty years, whatever it is, you must destroy the individual. You must destroy free will. It's a constant push for the collective, a constant push for government. Which I, was I would love to, to have that young guy who called one of these leftists, one of these leading leftists, on pushing any of my programs. They will not appear. Please stay with us. So we talk with each other. Explain I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they, they do to do try and maintain the, the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined. 
and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. All right, let's move on. Talked about Berlin. Isaiah Berlin. Negative and positive liberty. In the end, it is negative liberty. That protects you, as I will demonstrate. And so Berlin said that the people ignore the academics and intellectuals at their own peril. You know, you'll hear people say, ah, oh, well, that's an academic. It's an ele-. He's saying, don't ignore them. You better pay a lot of attention to them. A lot of attention to them. Or you'll live in chains the rest of your lives. People ignore the academics and intellectuals at their own peril since it is they who devise and develop the philosophical and political notions upon which politics is practiced. And politics, in turn, is the means by which, this is me, by which institutions govern and affect society and the individual. Consequently, Berlin exhorted that not enough attention is paid to this debate. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, since I wrote this book, there is no debate. We never engage, except at a very superficial level. We never explain humanity, nature, individualism, freedom. Now, who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for that? It's a good question, but we're not going to win hearts and souls and minds. The debaters. Not enough attention is paid to this debate and the debaters, despite the fact that the outcome will determine the future of humanity. He said, yet this is both surprising and dangerous. Surprising because there has perhaps been no time in modern history when so large a number of human beings in both the East and the West have had their notions and indeed their lives so deeply altered and in some cases violently upset by fanatically held social and political doctrines. Dangerous because when ideas are neglected by those who ought to attend to them, that is the citizenry, that is to say those who have been trained to think critically about ideas, they sometimes acquire an unchecked momentum and are irresistible and an irresistible power over multitudes of men and women. 
that may grow too violent to be affected by rational criticism. And so yesterday when I played Bernie Sanders saying, well, you know, what we need is a, a vote, a fair election in uh, Venezuela. And I was pointing out uh, they're beyond that. He will not condemn the genocidal dictator. Because he believes in his ideology. Berlin would say that's preposterous, Bernie Sanders. You're talking about a vote. When the man is destroying his country. Now, in further describing negative liberty, Berlin argued, I'm normally said to be free to the degree to which no man or body of men interferes with my activity. Now, these are, these are you know, very important points. You might say, well, you can never be perfectly free. He's not saying that. He's starting with a base point. Political liberty in this sense, he writes, is simply the area within which a man can act unobstructed by others. If I'm prevented by others from doing what I could otherwise do, I am to that degree unfree. And if this area is contracted by other men beyond a certain minimum, I can be described as being coerced or maybe enslaved. Coercion is not, however, he said, a term that covers every form of inability, If I say that I'm unable to jump more than 10 feet in the air or cannot read because I am blind or cannot understand the darker pages of Hegel, he hated Hegel. It would be eccentric to say that I am to that degree enslaved or coerced. Coercion implies the deliberate interference of other human beings within the area in which I could otherwise act. Like health care for all. Well, I don't want health care for all. I want health care for me. And I want to be able to have choices. And in that way, everybody will have choices. No, you're not allowed. He says you lack political liberty or freedom only if you are prevented from attaining a goal by other human beings. Mere incapacity to attain a goal is not lack of political freedom. Turning to positive liberty, that concept, Berlin said this. This is important. Self-government may, on the whole, provide a better guarantee of the preservation of civil liberties than other regimes, and has been defended as such by libertarians. But there is no necessary connection between individual liberty and democratic rule. Listen. The answer to the question, who governs me, is logically distinct from the question, how far does government interfere with me? This is where I reject this national populism stuff. We're talking about individual liberty. It is in this difference that the great contrast between the two concepts of negative and positive liberty in the end consists, he says. For the positive sense of liberty comes to light if we try to answer the question not, what am I free to do or be, but by whom am I ruled? Or, said another way, who is to say what I am and what I am not to be or do? The connection between democracy and individual liberty is a good deal more tenuous than it may seem to many advocates of both. The desire to be governed by myself, or at any rate to participate in the process by which my life is to be controlled, may be as deep a wish as that for a free area for action and perhaps historically older. 
but it is not a desire for the same thing. So different is it indeed as to have led in the end to the great clash of ideologies that dominates our world today. For it is this, the positive conception of liberty, not freedom from, but freedom to, to lead one prescribed form of life, which the adherents of the negative notion represent as being at times no better than a specious disguise for brutal tyranny. Let me unravel this a little bit. There's a difference he's saying between saying, I want to govern myself and what kind of government do I want to govern me? I want to govern myself and what kind of government do I want to govern me? And he's written more broadly. I can only quote so much in my own book. But he says, look, to some extent, you're always going to have to give up some liberty, right? Even under our Constitution in a civil society. But you need to ask the right questions when you're giving up liberty. You need to have the right formulations. I want to govern myself as much as possible. I want to live as an individual human being as much as possible. Not under the iron fist of ideologues who insist through positive liberty that they get to decide how the individual shall live for the general good, for the general welfare, for the community, and then that way we'll all be improved. And the more we centralize these decisions and the less disparate activities taking place, the more likely we are to, to achieve this utopia. Single-payer health care. Single-payer health care. No private competition. No private markets whatsoever. Everybody will get the same health care. Everybody will be equal. And his point is, that's not liberty. That's tyranny. And it can become a brutal tyranny. Moreover, and notably... Berlin describes the mindset of modern progressives and their philosophical patrons, declaring that in exercising the positive freedom idea to be all you want to be, that is, it's not a question of governing yourself, it is the extent to which you can compel other people to do what you want them to do so you can be all you can be. You see what I'm saying? I want universal health care. I want free college. I want this. I want that. Well, you're enslaving other people. You're denying them their liberty. Maybe they don't want it. The danger is, he says, that the real self may be conceived as something wider than the individual, as the term is normally understood, as a social whole of which the individual is an element or aspect, a tribe, a race, a church, a state, the great society of the living and the dead and the yet unborn. This entity is then identified as being the true self. And he's quoting here uh, Hegel and Rousseau, even more than Marx here, that you can only fully realize your individuality and self as part of the state, as part of the whole. And is that not what Bernie Sanders is saying? Is not what the left in this country and the media are saying? Is that not what academia is saying? Yes, it is. So this entity is then identified as being the true self, which by imposing its collective 
or organic. Its single idea will, upon its recalcitrant members, you and me, achieve its own and therefore their higher freedom. Higher freedom for the greater good means denying you your humanity, your individual liberty. You can hear Maduro talk this way. You can hear Xi in China talk this way. You can hear AOC talk this way, and Bernie Sanders talk this way, and most media mouthpieces talk this way. But what gives such plausibility as it has to this kind of language is that we recognize that it is possible, and at times justifiable, to coerce men in the name of the same goal, let us say justice or public health, which would if they were more enlightened themselves, pursue, but do not, because they are blind or ignorant or corrupt. This renders it easy for me, you see, to conceive of myself as coercing others for their own sake. And they're not my interest. They would not resist me if they were rational and as wise as I am and understood their interests as I do. So in other words, it's a self-justifying morality. These people are just too stupid. They support Trump. Or they're old-time conservatives. They believe in capitalism and individual liberty. They're cowboys. For their sake, I must impose my will on them. For their sake. I must impose my will, the form of government I want, the tax system I want, on them. They don't know what's good for them. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be Being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. I'm going to have to carry this over. I want to carry this over into the next hour, so I hope you'll, hope you'll stay with us and then tie it all together. When Bernie Sanders says, look at the Scandinavian countries. Now, why would we do that? Why don't we look at our own history and embrace it? That's what they don't want you to look at. They don't want you to listen to the things I am telling you. And it is amazing as time goes on, the title of my, my biggest book, Liberty and Tyranny, that's what we're talking about here. Tyranny in the name of the people, of course. It also applies when we're talking about medical care. 
medical care. I hope I'm not chasing off my listeners by getting into this topic. I do this often, frankly. Not this particular topic, but others. I just think it's important. I think it would be a real waste of this format just to race through the topics of the day. Now, we do that from time to time. I try to slow it down and focus on some topics and hit it more deeply. But that's not what you want, is it? Certainly not when you can be doing a thousand different things when you're listening to me. Now, how much time do I have, Rich? Berliner says, look, I, the progressive, I may go on to claim by forcing people to do what I insist. I may go on to claim a good deal more. I may declare that they are actually aiming at what in their benighted state they consciously resist because there exists within them, that is you, an occult entity, your latent rational will or your true purpose. And that this entity, although it is belied by all that they overtly feel and do and say, is your real self. Again, he's talking about Hegel and Rousseau. Of which the poor empirical self in space and time may know nothing or little. And that this inner spirit is the only self that deserves to have its wishes taken into account. In other words, you have this subconscious in which you really agree with the radical progressives. And they're tapping into it. And even if you don't understand it, you must be compelled to comply for your own good and the good of the general will. More when I return. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's continue with our little discussion about liberty. If we don't discuss it here, where will it be discussed? Absolutely nowhere. So, let's continue. He says, Berlin does, about positive liberty, the progressivism, Marxism, democratic socialism, government-centric kind of isms. The people who promote this, as he says, they may go on to claim a good deal more, that they may declare that they are actually aiming at what in their benighted state they consciously resist, that is, you resist. Because there exists within you, you see, an occult entity, a latent rational will, or a true purpose, and that this entity although it is belied by all that they overtly feel and do and say, is your real self, of which the poor empirical self in space and time may know nothing or little. And that this inner spirit that you have is the only self that deserves to have its wishes taken into account. And nobody knows better about your inner spirit than a progressive. Now, once I take this view... I am in a position to ignore the actual wishes of men or societies, to bully, 
to oppress, to torture them in the name and on behalf of their real selves, in the secure knowledge that whatever is the true goal of man, happiness, wisdom, whatever, must be identical with his freedom. That is, the free choice of his true, albeit often submerged and inarticulate self. So you can see the the narcissism and the the type of mentality in a Mao, in a Stalin, in a Mugabe, in a Castro, in a Maduro, in a Chavez. You can see it also to another extent in a Bernie Sanders, in a Nancy Pelosi, and on and on and on. That they know what they're doing that they are virtuous, that they are righteous. You just haven't figured out yet what you need for yourselves, and they have, so they will impose it on you. Berlin was also well aware of the calculating psychology and behavior of autocratic masterminds, among whom I include the progressives. This is what he said. The positive conception of freedom as self-mastery with its suggestion of a man divided against himself, has in fact, and as a matter of history, of doctrine and practice, lent itself more easily to the splitting of personality into two. That is, the transcendent, dominant controller and the empirical bundle of desires and passions to be disciplined and brought to heel. That is, the mastermind, the left, will bring them the heel. This demonstrates that conceptions of freedom directly derive from views of what constitutes a self, a person, a man. In other words, I kind of get to decide what freedom is for everybody. Single payer for all, child care for all, a, uh, a confiscatory a tax marginal rate of 70 to 90 percent, and, uh, and I'm right, and you're wrong, and it's that simple. Recent history, he said, has made it only too clear that this issue is not merely academic. And what he's warning against here is tyranny, totalitarianism. Comes in many forms. It can come in a 29-year-old congresswoman. It can come in a 77-year-old senator from Vermont. And as he said earlier, as I explained in the first hour, the form of government does not ensure that tyranny can be prevented. Remember, Liberty came before our Constitution. The purpose of the Constitution was to create a governing system and to help protect our liberty. But liberty came first. Now let's give some examples of what we're talking about. You want to know what we're talking about, Mr. Producer? Things like the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights, Ten Amendments. They are a list of your protections against government. They are a list of areas around you, the individual, that the government may not penetrate. The Bill of Rights is a bill of negative liberty. Not about what the government can do for you, but what the government must not do to you. Areas of protection 
You see, the founding fathers and the framers understood this distinction, maybe not calling it positive and negative liberty, but they understood this distinction. And the Marxists among us, the progressives among us, the democratic socialists among us, they understand enough of it, if not intellectually, intuitively. And they know how to play it. And that's why they talk about free, free health care, free college, free child care, free, because through that, through government, through programs, through bureaucracy, through taxation, you will realize your inner self. You will realize the fullness of yourself. You will become a full person. And in doing so, all of society will rise too because you're one little part of this massive collective. And if we can get this massive collective working together with all these outliers crushed, all these people who won't conform, crushed, punished, diminished, well then, then we can make progress. This is exactly what Chuck Todd was talking about on Meet the Depressed when he said, climate change is real. Anybody who disagrees is a denier. I will not accept it. Your Bill of Rights. It's a bill of negative liberties. Congress, Amendment 1, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Negative liberty. You shall leave me alone. I shall be able to associate, to speak. Amendment 2, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A negative liberty. This is my liberty. This is my circle of liberty as an individual. These are my unalienable rights. I don't care what kind of government you have. You are not to penetrate that circle of freedom that surrounds me. Amendment 3. No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Amendment 4. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. I am to be protected. Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces war, or in the militia, when an actual service in time of war or public danger, nor shall any person be subject to the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life and limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Well, that's been trampled all over, but you get the point. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. 
That's my circle of liberty. And you get the drift as it goes on. And yet this is why the very same people, the hard left, the Marxists, Democratic Socialists, progressives, call themselves whatever they wish. That's why they reject some of the Bill of Rights. They pick and choose. Second Amendment? No. Religious liberty? Well, I don't want to bake a cake for that couple because that... No. Free speech? Ask Laura Logan about free speech. Ask Cheryl Atkinson about free speech. Ask Bernard Goldberg about free speech, even among the press. Ask them. Ask a young boy or young boys who wear MAGA hats in Washington, D.C., in front of the Lincoln Memorial about free speech. Due process? Well, really? And so forth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Obviously, none of this matters to the left. Nothing I said matters to them, period. It's a mob. The mob. They, they control the levers of power and they intend to use these levers of power to advance their agenda, whether you like it or not, for the reasons I've said and Berlin said. You just don't know what's good for you. And you'll either come along or you'll be crushed. The progressive believes in a spiritual and actual slavery to mankind's perfectibility by mankind itself. The American heritage is considered a heritage of folklore, this is me, and irrelevance, if not regressive and obstructive. And you hear this all the time. So for the progressive reason alone, the here and now, science applied to human behavior and governance, the individual as community, and the existing social needs require a higher nature. And that higher nature is of modern man's making, unencumbered by external truth, the guidance and constraints of a moral order, or ancient traditions. Again, as Berlin said, the question then is not about the individual's liberty, but is what or who is the source of control or interference that can determine someone to do or be this rather than that. For the progressive, the answer is the centralized administrative state, where the individual is coerced in infinite ways, as willed by the machinery of the state. And as such, reason transforms into will, which in turn transforms into an ideological pursuit of control and power. Actual science, reason, and knowledge are abandoned. Yet this is said to be liberating of both the individual and society. Mankind is said to be free and and autonomous when in fact the opposite is true. Here's what Berlin said. But to manipulate men, to propel them towards goals which you, the social reformer, see, but they may not, is to deny them their human existence. And their essence, their essence, to treat them as objects without wills of their own, and therefore to degrade them. That is why to lie to men or deceive them, that is, to use them as a means for mine, not their own independently conceived ends, even if it is for their own benefit, is in effect to treat them as subhuman and to behave as if their ends are less ultimate and sacred than my own. If I find that I am able to do little or nothing of what I wish, 
I need only contract or extinguish my wishes, and I am made free. If the tyrant manages to condition his subjects or customers into losing their original wishes and embracing, internalizing, that is, the form of life he has invented for them, he will, on this definition, have supposedly succeeded in liberating them. He will, no doubt, have made them feel free. But what he has created is the very antithesis of political freedom. Tyranny. Now, having rejected natural law and constitutional republicanism, the progressive embraces another theory of law, although foreign to the American heritage. It's called positive law. Now, we've talked about positive liberty. Now, we talk about positive law. Again, the word positive should not be confused with the good or promoting and securing liberty. Positive law is coercive law. Law promulgated by the state to further the will and the purposes of the state. There's no moral basis or virtue tied to the law. The merits of the law are not material. In fact, such considerations are irrelevant. The government issues laws, rules, orders, or regulations, and they are to be obeyed under threat of punishment. There is then a tension when the will of the state conflicts with the will of the people. But for the progressive, external political influences like elections are non-legal in nature. The state will determine if and the extent to which such non-legal influences are worthy of consideration. You get the point? So what if Donald Trump's president, they think? We're going to crush him. We're going to roll him. We're going to imprison him. We're going to impeach him. We're going to have a coup. We are going to remove him. Elections don't matter if they don't turn out the way we insist that they turn out. That's the point. The state, meaning these people, the state will determine if and the extent to which such non-legal influences like elections are worthy of consideration when developing, issuing, and enforcing the law. Now that said, as the very character of the government becomes less Republican and more regime-oriented, elections and other forms of popular and representative participation are less consequential. Mark, who are you reading from? Me. I wrote this. The ideologically driven so-called scientific-based judgment of the administrative state, which has assumed much of the lawmaking authority of a legislature, ultimately prevails as it is unhinged from moral roots and grows increasingly immune from non-legal influences like elections. At its core, positive law is an outgrowth of the doctrine of positivism which in turn is a rejection of natural law, which is in your Declaration of Independence. All knowledge is allegedly based on the relationships between and among phenomena resulting from empiricism and scientism. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you don't understand. It's not really about humanity. It's about having the right experts with the right agenda, applying models, having formula, and so forth. Positivism consists essentially of a philosophy and a polity, that is, an ideology in a societal organization. There can never be, it can never be dissevered. Politics and society, one and the same. Maybe I'm going one step too far here, Mr. Producer. 
If you want to learn more about this, I'm not going to have time on the radio program. I'm not hawking the book, but it's all right here in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. I just think it's so important to understand our history and to understand what we are up against. It is a fundamental transformation. It is a rejection of the philosophers, of the great thinkers, of eternal truth, of all on which this nation was founded, which is why people like Bernie Sanders keep saying, look at look at Scandinavia. Look at Scandinavia. We're not Scandinavia, you jerk. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. The Mark LEVIN Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Every time you go online to use public Wi-Fi, you're putting your personal information in danger. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords, your credit card information in seconds. Now, these hacks happen millions of times a day. And the vitamins have their personal information exposed, and the the victims, that is, have their personal information exposed or identity uh, uh, stolen. So how can you protect yourself? Well, the software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all of your data online. That means nobody can see what you do on the Internet, not even government spy agencies like the NSA. Now, the ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. You click a button, and poof, you're protected. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark to get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. Now, I'm going to do something I wouldn't normally do. I had more things to say about this. But I want to go right to a leftist and deal with this. John, Charlotte, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite, go. Yes, uh, good evening, Mr. Levin. How are you? Okay. Okay, um, I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned something about a um, a, 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 medical, a, medical a what? Healthcare. I couldn't hear you. You're mentioning that a medical health care is a, a, a charity as far as universal health care. But there are other countries, let's say Israel, for instance, which has universal health care. Sir, have you been to Israel? Huh? Have you been to Israel? Like I was saying. Hold on. Have you been to Israel? 
no. Okay, I have a stepson in Israel. I had to get some Zandex and other products. Uh, he was meeting other members of the family in uh, in another country, so he could have access to it because he doesn't have access to it in Israel. Right. Well, I'm so, saying- so why are you pointing to Israel? You don't know anything about Israel's healthcare system. Well, I, I well, I, I, I can read. That's what I'm saying. They, they also have a national healthcare. Well, you can read all you want. What have you read? But, uh, but like I was saying, you haven't read anything. Would you not say that, um, that, that, that not having high deductibles? Sir, I, I am telling you that I don't want one car manufacturing country. I don't want one bread manufacturing company. I don't want one dishwasher manufacturing company. I don't want the government doing those things. And so when it comes to our personal health and our mental well-being and the well-being of our family, why is it that you pay attention to me? I'm trying to educate you. Don't you believe in liberty? Don't you like to be free? Don't you want to make decisions for yourself and your family without having limitations? Don't you want to have access to new pharmaceuticals, new inventions? Because it's not going to happen. What I'm saying is, is that now you have a choice of whether going to, a, to get a high um, a private insurance or you have... A, a, you have that a, choice now because of what the government's already created. The government's created the high deductibles. The government's created the high premiums. The government's created the insurance system we have now. The insurance system didn't create it. They're regulated by states. They're regulated by the federal government. I, you, we're regulated. There's only certain kinds of insurance we're allowed to choose. All right, goodbye. You notice, Mr. Producer, he's talking without listening to a thing I said? I can't reach leftists who are ideologues. It's not my goal on this program. It's not. They do not want to have a discussion. They just want to rattle on like they're on CNN and MSNBC. I cannot stand it. I just can't stand it. The willingness of people to surrender their liberty, not to even listen to our... He has no idea what the Israeli healthcare system is. He has no idea what the healthcare system is in the Scandinavian countries. It doesn't matter. It sounds good. He's for it. Well, liberty shouldn't work that way. You shouldn't surrender it so easily. I can give you a thousand examples of incompetent government. And maybe you can give me a thousand examples of incompetence in the private sector. Here's the difference. The private sector doesn't have the power to punish me and to fine me and to imprison me. And if I want to go somewhere else, use a different business, use a different product, use a different service, to the extent we're still allowed to do it, then you do it. That's what's so great about competition and liberty. I don't need Bernie Sanders making decisions about my health care. He doesn't know a damn thing about health care. And neither do the people in the bureaucracy who are telling me and my family what we can or cannot have. They are making moral judgments, ethical judgments, financial judgments with politics all over it for you and me. For you and me. The reason health care is so expensive right now, it's not the doctors, it's not the insurance companies, it's not the hospitals. They've always been there. The reason it's so expensive in the last 50 years, especially the last few years, is because of government. Government rules. Government attacking competition. Government attacking options. Government attacking this and that and taxing this and that. It has consequences. And even so... 
Our system remains the best on the face of the earth. But you got to surrender more of your liberty, more of your money, more of your private property. You've got to surrender more of your humanity to the government because they have good intentions, because you're part of the community. And what we just need is more and more and more to make it better, don't you know? And then you get Venezuela. Now, he's a hit-and-run caller. He's a leftist. He wants to talk about the Israeli health care system. Israel started out as a socialist country. Ben-Gurion was a socialist. They happen to have a capitalist now as their prime minister, a great prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, but they damn well may be able to out of office now, I'm reading, in the next 47 or 48 days, if you can believe that. But that's not our model. Our model's liberty, regardless of what's taking place in any other country, regardless of what's taking place in any state in our country. It actually works. What about people falling through the, the uh, cracks? People fall through the government's cracks all the time. All the time. And the bigger the government gets, the more cracks there are. And then you reach a point of a police state. Because people finally wake up, they say, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't working. Too late. Too late. Well, no, it's not working. I can't get the food I want. I can't get the doctor I want. I can't take my kids to the school I want. It doesn't matter. Too late. You already surrendered your liberty. Well, how did that happen? Guys like this caller. Rambling on, talking fast, doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to engage, full of crap. Unbelievable. And nothing I said in the first hour penetrated. Not a word of it. And this is the problem. This is the problem. Not a word of it penetrated. Let's go to cut um, one, Mr. Producer. This is AOC and her tax plan. A 29-year-old who's really done nothing with her life other than get elected to Congress. All of a sudden, she's going to set the standard for all of society in all matters. Go ahead. So a marginal tax rate is saying if you make more than $10 million in one year, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good year. That's a damn good year. If you make <laughs> That's some El Chapo. Ten million. Yes, seriously. If you make more than $10 million in one year, your $10 millionth and $1 gets taxed at 70%, which, by the way... We used to have marginal tax rates mm-hmm. under Republican presidents of 90%. Yeah, let's, let's, they, they pull this all the time, which almost nobody paid because there were all kinds of deductions. It didn't apply to everybody. So there they are lying, which they do all the time. Nobody ever paid a 91% tax rate. Nobody. Not in this country. But let's circle back. $10 million and $1. It's too much, she says. Based on what? There could be 10,000 people earning 10, over $10 million. I don't have any idea what they're doing. Maybe they employ 1,000 people. Maybe they're coming up with a next, next great drug. 
Maybe they're improving the automobile. Maybe they're doing a thousand other things. And you're going to tell them, no, you can't do it anymore. She has no idea who these people are. She has no idea what they're going to do with that extra dollar. She has no idea the effect on employment or economic progress, growth, wealth creation. No idea. She has just decided because she's more moral than you are and you're just too stupid to understand that she's right. You're wrong, she's superior, you're inferior, and therefore her will will be imposed on you. That's it. And she celebrated. She celebrated, and she celebrated by people in this country who earn millions and millions of dollars. As anchormen, as comics late at night, as billionaires out there who back liberal Democrats, she's celebrated. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We have people out there who've been thoroughly brainwashed against their own interests. People, we even have people out here now pushing reparations. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, among others. Reparations. I'm on this program every day pushing individual liberty. We don't need reparations. Reparations. Well, you see, we have to accept our history. Who doesn't accept our history? It's people like me who want to keep those Confederate statutes up. Not to honor them, but to expose them. Recognize our history. How come they never talk about the Civil War? How come they never talk about the battles in the Civil War? How come they never talk about the casualties in the Civil War? which were absolutely unimaginable. Over 700,000 casualties, that's the latest figure. Around 720,000. In a nation of 24 million people. Virtually every single family was affected. To fight a war, to retain the Union, and to end slavery. And I love the way people say, well, Lincoln didn't really want to end slavery. Ask Frederick Douglass, or at least read what he had to say. He was a skeptic of Lincoln's, and then became a tremendous admirer of Lincoln's. How can you look at the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments and say they didn't mean to end slavery? It's ridiculous. But they did. What else are we supposed to do? in 2019 except to encourage people to enjoy liberty to make the most of themselves in the only country on the face of the earth where people can really succeed in a big way and people want to destroy it people want to destroy it they pervert our history our founding Get the rich. You just support the rich. It's not a matter of supporting the rich. Why would I be for the rich and against the poor? Does that make any sense for any of us? 
We're for liberty. Leave people alone. You know that guy that made 50, 60 million dollars? He may be employing a thousand people. He may be the next Jonas Salk. He may be coming up with, with something we can't even think about. What's wrong with that? It should go to the government so the government can redistribute it. Let me tell you something, folks. The government doesn't even need to take any more money from us to redistribute. It spends money it never has and it's never going to have, which is a whole other subject that we've addressed over and over again. It's not like 70%, 90% increase in the marginal tax rate for somebody who, who earns. I said earns, not given. Earns over $10 million a year is going to somehow fix something. We have over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities. We have $22 trillion in fiscal operating debt. The economy each year produces $17.4 trillion in wealth. Our debt, our fiscal operating debt is bigger than our economy. That means you can take every damn penny from every rich person and you'll never catch up. And that doesn't even count how you'll destroy society in the meantime. These fools don't know what they're doing. They've brought us to this place. They've brought us to this place. If there's so much inequality, after the New Deal, the Square Deal, the Fair Deal, the Great Society, they're not going to fix it. If there's so much poverty as a result of all that, they're not going to fix it. They don't know how to fix it. All they know how to do is grow the government. It's important we have this discussion. What do you want me to do? Talk about this clown actor? How many days can you talk about this guy? Don't you just love it when something that's already amazing gets even better? Well, that's the case with the X-Chair. The makers have taken what is arguably the most comfortable and supportive office chair in the world and made it even better. X-Chair is introducing wider seats in the X3 and X4 models. That means extra support for those with wider bases. Now, the good people at X-Chair are constantly innovating to help improve your working comfort and productivity. And now you can finance the purchase of your X-Chair for as little as $30 a month. Seriously. For less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can make 2019 your most comfortable and productive year ever by getting yourself an X-Chair. X-Chair is on sale right now, $100 off. Where do you go? Where do you go, Mr. Producer? Do you know? XChairLevin.com. XChairLevin.com. I'm checking Mr. Producer. He has one of these chairs. XChairLevin.com, or you can call us at 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com right now. Use code LEVINFOOTREST, and you'll get a free footrest. So that's xchairlevin.com, or give us a call, 1-844-4X-Chair. You're going to love this chair. I'm sitting in it right now. I know you're going to love this chair. So give it a try. See, people invent things, new products, new services, all kinds of things we use. And by the way... Since when do I get to decide how much somebody should earn? Where does that right come from? How do I have that authority? All right, folks, we'll dig into some other things, including your calls when we return. I'll be right back. 
With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, If you've been following the program... If you just joined us, I don't really know where to start, but if you've been following the program, I'm just moving step by step by step through these ideas of the hardcore left, through their so-called principles. And AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's on Showtime. See, she's a celebrity. She's an idiot. She gives you the usual left-wing tripe as if she's in, uh, you know, ninth grade, 12th grade, whatever. And, um, but she's a good foil for the left, so they keep pushing her out there. And I want to see, I, I want you to see where these things take us, the insanity, where they take us. So listen to this, cut to, she's on Showtime, go. I think that's a reference to your Green New Deal. Yes. Can you explain that for us? Yes. In the deal, what we talk about is, I mean, and it's it's true, is that we need to take a look at factory farming, mm-hmm. you know, period. It's wild and so it's not to say you get rid of agriculture it's not to say we're going to force everybody no 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 no. we can do what mal did you know push everybody out to the rural areas particularly the people in the metropolitan areas and they can fend for themselves grow their own gardens and so forth and they'll starve to death factory farming what's wrong with factory farming what's wrong with any system that feeds america and feeds half the world So now we're supposed to be against factory farming? Why? Why are we against factory farming? Or any farming? Small farming? Factory farming? What's the problem? Well, she knows what the problem is. She's never been on a farm in any, you know, uh, substantive way. She's never worked a farm. But she knows. She knows about farms. Just ask her. She knows about everything. She knows about oil drilling, our maritime system. Oh, yeah. All of them do. They're geniuses. For the reasons I explained in hour one. Go ahead. Anything crazy like that. But it's to say, listen, we got to address 
factory farming. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, let's, well, let's stop. Right well, what if I want to eat hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And they don't even question her. Well, what's the problem with factory farming? What do you mean by that? What's the problem? You know, it used to be, ladies and gentlemen, that left said capitalism wasn't good enough because it couldn't provide enough for the quote-unquote masses. Well, capitalism does provide enough for the quote-unquote masses. And now the argument is we provide too much. We're too efficient, except when we're not. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but we have to take a look at everything. And what we need to realize is that climate change is about every choice that we make in our lives. This is just insanity. And the fact that she is a promoted public figure is insanity. Absolute insanity. We need to take a look at everything and how we live and what we do and how we do it and so forth. No, we don't. And who are these people to impose their view of life, the community, on all the rest of us? This is the point. This is the point. And you have people who find her very compelling. She's not compelling. She's a tyrant. And I want to show you who these people really are. I'm going to show you who these people really are. I want to salute CNS, which originally found most of these clips, the Reagan Battalion, which has newly made them, uh, reminded us of them. And uh, this involves Bernie Sanders. He's not talking about Denmark and Sweden. and No. He's hardcore. In this first clip, he's talking about Nicaragua. On August 8, 1985, when Daniel Ortega took over, he's a communist. He's there now. He's killing people now. He's imprisoning people now, trying to hold on to power because the people there are upset because their liberties have been denied. Ultimately, it leads to a police state in one form or another, and that's what you have now in Nicaragua. Cut three, go. One of the things that I, I think I learned on my trip... You know, as, as a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me, and I think it's probably fair to say that the Nicaraguan government is primarily a socialist government. No, it's but, a Marxist government, but that's okay. We can, we can call it a kumquat if you'd like. It's a kumquat government. It's a banana. It's whatever you want it to be. Go ahead. You learn down there is that they, socialism or anti-capitalism is much less prevalent than nationalism. Basically, what they're saying is we've been under the thumb of the Marines. As you know, the Marines installed the Somoza family. You know, uh, the United States, which is a, uh, it's a devil nation. It's a devil nation. You have to hate America. That's why uh, most of these fools like Sanders, they hate Israel. They hate America. It's, it's all one and the same thing. Go ahead. We've been under the thumb of the United States for our entire modern history, and we're not going to be under the thumb of anybody anymore. Nicaragua is our country. We will do the right things. For the so he's defending thing. a communist regime, okay? That's what he's doing. Let's just be clear. As much as he trashes America, he's defending a communist regime. Go ahead. We'll make our mistakes, but we will make them independently as an independent and free nation. That is the theme of their revolution. No, it's not the theme of their revolution. The theme of their revolution is Marxism. And the people won't make any decisions. It'll be made for them. 
So there he is praising one communist regime, Nicaragua. Now he's going to praise Fidel Castro, also August 8, 1985. And this is in the midst of uh, the Reagan administration. Cut four, go. You may recall way back in, what was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was... Now let's just say they. I guess he means us. And, of course, they invaded Cuba. What he doesn't mention, he he wouldn't, is that John Kennedy pulled the air cover from the they. Many of them were Cubans who had escaped Castro's tyranny. And they rushed the beaches. This had been organized under Eisenhower originally. And uh, Kennedy, at the last minute, pulls the air cover. So they get slaughtered right on the beach. But anyway, go ahead. You may recall way back in, what was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. How did the people in Cuba rise up under a police state? Castro, Che Guevara, you know, all those T-shirts that lionize him. He's a mass murderer, a genocidal nut, and a racist, by the way. They killed people. It's not so easy just to rise up. What do you think? It's Vermont? Go ahead. I forgot that he educated the kids, gave them health care, totally transformed. He educated the kids and gave them health care. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it all works beautifully. That's why the newest car there, if you're a commoner, is like a 1957 Chevy Impala. And they don't have toilet paper in most of their hospitals. And that's why when... Fidel needed a heart procedure, stomach procedure, ass procedure, whatever it was. He didn't get it in Cuba. He got it somewhere else. So when you're Bernie Sanders, you have to lie about the conditions. You have to defend the indefensible because that is his ideology. And it's amazing how he doesn't point to Nicaragua or Cuba today. Scandinavia. Look Look over there. Scandinavia. Go ahead. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same uh, way. Ronald Reagan is, dislikes these people. As I recall, Eisenhower did, Kennedy did, Johnson did, Nixon did, Ford did, Carter did, Reagan did. Wasn't just, wasn't just Reagan, you know. No, no, wasn't just Reagan, you know. So that's two. And uh, let's see, we don't want number five. Oh, and then, of course, he's very, very excited about, uh, where's the Soviet Union? Do we have that one or no? Yes, let's go to cut eight. He's very excited about the Soviet Union. He thinks that's a pretty cool place, too. Cut eight, go. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. Oh, they got, you know. The Soviets, they got their gulags, you know, I'm sure he never met Solzhenitsyn or the, uh, the other refuseniks. Uh, he, uh, you know, they've got a great public transportation system. They even get the trains to run on time, much like Mussolini used to, you know. Go ahead. ...themselves were absolutely beautiful. Uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective This man system. is sick. He's sick. The chandeliers are beautiful. The stations are beautiful. They got a wonderful public transportation. 
People are killed. People are tortured. That regime was responsible for the death of at least 30, 40 million people. He's looking at the chandeliers. He's looking at the chandeliers. Go ahead. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of, young, uh, of programs for young people, and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. Always trashing America. You know, the old Soviet Union, ladies and gentlemen, went far beyond America in the way it treated its young people. Oh, yeah. All kinds of programs for the young people. Notice how they all march beautifully. Notice how they all salute beautifully. Notice how they all wear the same uniforms. Notice how they get out of line. You never see them again. This is a very sick man. And one of the reasons he's popular is because the press doesn't expose him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Robert Kraft. What do you want me to say? You all know as much as I know. There's a lust out there, too for this story. I I don't quite get it. There's a lust out there for this story. But uh, we know what the charges are, the allegations are, what he may well have been doing in Jupiter, Florida, of all places. Okay, what, what is left to say about that, Mr. Producer? I'm quite serious. What else can I say about that? I'll leave it to my buddy Stephen A. Smith to do it on Monday on his show. I don't know what else to say about that. But how about this one, ladies and gentlemen? From Fox News. IRS employee accused of leaking Michael Cohen's bank records to Michael Avenatti. This is your big government. Can't wait till they control all the health care so they can leak those records to Michael Avenatti. A veteran IRS employee has been charged with leaking the banking records of President Trump's one-time personal attorney, Michael Cohen, to Michael Avenatti. The attorney for adult film star, and who says she's a star? I have no idea. It should be adult film actress. Stormy Daniels, federal prosecutors announced. John C. Fry, 54, was charged with one count of unlawful disclosure of information obtained from so-called suspicious activity reports, or SARS. He was released on $50,000 bond after appearing in federal court in San Francisco. That's pretty frightening, isn't it? Then you have uh, the district attorney in New York who's bringing additional charges against Manafort in case the President of the United States pardons Manafort on federal crimes. You know, folks, I'm no special pleader for Manafort. I've never talked to him in my life. I've never met him in my life. I don't know if I've ever been in the same room with him in my life. It really doesn't matter. I, I have never seen somebody treated like this. This left-wing kook judge in Washington, D.C., who puts, uh, who, who puts these orders on these, these different defendants so they can't speak to the media and so forth, appointed by Obama, she's a disgrace. She's a prosecutor's dream. Google her name for me, will you, Mr. Producer? Just the judge in the Manafort case, the judge in the Stone case. And, and these two guys, unfortunately, that's the judge they get. Now, I'm not saying they're innocent, guilty, or I'm not getting into that. 
But she's definitely a Trump hater. No question about it. And the prosecutors love the fact that she's on the bench. They love it. And the power goes to the head of these heads of these judges, too. You heard this T.S. Eliot or Ellis. What's the name? Well, that's different. I'm looking in Washington, D.C. Uh, this guy, T.S. Ellis, who I'm quite familiar with. He was spouting off at the bench. The power goes to their head. It really does. Just like it does to the prosecutor. So now we're going to, uh, they're going to charge Manafort at the state level. The guy's almost 70 years old. He's been in solitary confinement. Amy Berman Jackson, that's her. Amy Berman Jackson. Go ahead and Google her name. Leftist. Obama. Chief Justice assures us, you know, there's, there's no difference between an Obama judge and a Clinton judge and a Reagan judge and a, a Trump. Of course there is, dummy. And you used to know that, too. You used to believe that, too, but now you're part of the, uh, you know, the pretty people, the chief justice. Now you pretend you're Anthony Kennedy as you're flipping sides on the, uh, some of these decisions. Notice their guys never do that. The Democrats, they're hardcore. They say, no, nah, no, nah, we're, not, we're not flipping. But we always can count on one or two of them, can't we? And now it's, uh, it's John Roberts. What a disgrace. I remember when he was running around the White House, running around the Department of Justice. Now it's Chief Justice. You can't question the Chief Justice. No. can't question the Chief Justice. Of course we can. It's our country. He's just part of it. So they're going to charge Manafort in New York, you see, just in case they want him in prison for the rest of his life. They want him to die there. Why? Because he committed tax fraud? No. People commit tax fraud all the time. I'm certainly not encouraging it. No, they want him to die in prison because he was Donald Trump's campaign manager. They would like Trump to die in prison. So the IRS guy, he leaked stuff about Cohen. This is before Cohen was what he is. Sure, why not? And CNN, good job again. You got it wrong. Mueller's report is not coming out next week, according to Mueller's office. Remember that, too? Oh, it's coming out next week, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have this guy, Don Beyer. People who live in Northern Virginia, you've heard of Beyer. He's a car dealer. The very wealthy man. He was lieutenant governor of Virginia, incapable of becoming governor. So he runs for a safe congressional seat right outside of Washington, D.C., a blue seat. And he wants Trump's tax returns. As do the other day. They want 10 years of his tax returns, by golly. And they're going to get him because they want to see if Trump's made any decisions as president that have enriched him. What do past tax returns have to do with that? And they're not the Internal Revenue Service. They're Congress. Again, I want to emphasize the president should fight this all the way to the Supreme Court. What is the legislative purpose? Well, you know, we might want to change the IRS rules. You can change the IRS rules now. It has nothing to do with it. Moreover, I want to repeat what I've been saying for months so the backbenchers will start to burp it up, which is this. I want to see 10 years of Mr. Byers' tax returns and the tax returns of his car dealership. I want to see 10 years of, of the Pelosi tax returns, husband and wife. I want to see 10 years of the Feinstein tax returns, her and her husband Haas, and all their relationships with the Red Chinese. I want to see 10 years of McConnell, his tax returns, he and his wife, 
who also have been close to the Red Chinese. Oh, there's plenty to see here, folks. Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. All right. LegalZoom. It's a wonderful sponsor, LegalZoom. And I'll tell you why. They have a wonderful, unique service for you. I want you to listen. If you're determined to start a business or secure your family's future, in 2019, it's easy to get distracted by hurdles that pop up along the way. That's why LegalZoom is here to help, and not just for those starting businesses, for all of you. With their network of independent attorneys licensed in all 50 states, and that's what's new. They have a network of independent attorneys, top-notch attorneys licensed in every state. LegalZoom can help you navigate your legal needs, from wills and trusts to LLCs, trademarks, contract reviews, and more. LegalZoom has helped more than 4 million people like you take care of their responsibilities. Now, here's the best part. LegalZoom is not a law firm, so they're not going to charge you an hourly fee. It's really affordable. Make this year the year you finally do the right thing for your family or take the steps you need to take for your small business. LegalZoom is here to help so you can focus on what you do best. Make a difference in your life this year by visiting LegalZoom.com right now. That's LegalZoom.com. And for special savings, make sure you enter promo code LEVIN in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom.com, promo code LEVIN. LegalZoom.com, promo code LEVIN. If you're looking for a way to get the help that you need, the legal help, this is the way. And it's affordable and it's competent. LegalZoom.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N. I I know you're going to love it. All right, let's go to some callers here. I'll pull up the call screen with a little help from uh, above. Let's see here. There we go. Wow, what happened? I actually have it. All right, let us go to Steve Bend, Oregon, the great WBND. Go. Good evening, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, Sometimes on the way home from work, my daughter and I battle for who's going to listen to the radio. And today I had to pull rank when I heard you talking about Isaiah Berlin. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be redundant here because I didn't hear the very beginning. And I, I don't know if it's in your book, but I think he really matters because of his personal story. You know, his, he, he was, uh, you know, a family of a fairly successful uh, uh, businessman father in Russia and uh, lo and behold, he got to witness uh, February and October revolutions. And before too long, somebody else had decided that they weren't going to be the kind of family that, that Russia wanted to support. So they had to flee and uh, eventually wound up in England. But he, you know, maintained, you know, his his identity throughout throughout that time as being a Russian Jew. And so it wasn't just theoretical abstractions for him. He really lived what it means, what it meant to go through that kind of persecution. You're absolutely right. All right, my friend, I appreciate it very much. People need to learn about these other individuals, and I'm sure that many have never heard of before. Uh, Christella, Indianapolis, Indiana, on the Mark Levin app. Go ahead. Um, yes, Mr. Levin, I was just calling because you have all these ridiculous liberals like Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren 
you know, who are discussing reparations, and they're so prepared to steal from people who have never owned slaves to give to people who never were slaves. And the irony is lost on them that here they are willing to make a whole group of people in our health care system indentured servants to the government. And what you're saying is people in the health care industry, and there are many, doctors, nurses, technicians of all kinds, janitors, uh, maids, um, uh, just you name it, that all of a sudden they're going to be working for the government and they'll take whatever the government has to give them or they have to get out. Exactly. And they won't have any choice in what they're being paid because the government is going to be the only business in town. So they're going to have to, you know, be beholden to whatever the government wants. This is a very important point. And I'll tell you something else, Christella. Notice we never nail them down on specifics. What do you mean single payer? How exactly will that work? Who pays for what? What kind of doctor do you get? How do you know you'll get that kind of doctor? What kind of uh, uh, availability will there be of pharmaceuticals? And how do you know that? They're never really seriously questioned by all these phony hosts and journalists on these Sunday shows, on these talk shows. You just don't get it. Right. Yeah. And, right. Then, and, and one other thing, just to point out to, to AOC's point on, you know, these corporate farms, um, it's also lost on her that a lot of these corporate farms exist because the government taxes people after they die. And a lot of those family farms have been lost because... The family members can't afford to pay. You're very sharp. What do you do? I'm sorry. What's that? What do you do? I'm an insurance adjuster. You're very, very sharp because you're right. In other words, you can inherit a large farm, but you have to pay a tax on the inheritance. And if you're not liquid, you have to sell the farm in order to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. You're very good. Thank you, Christelle. I appreciate it. E. Frank, Astoria, Queens, New York, the great WABC. Go. Uh, good uh, evening, Professor Levin. I've been listening for about two hours to everything that you said about liberty, uh, the argument, and I agree with you 100%. I also would like to say that uh, I have another uh, understanding of what liberty, justice, and fairness is for all Americans. I believe that every person has their own understanding of what constitutional law is. I, unfortunately, was raised in the uh, Board of Education of the City of New York, the Diocese of Brooklyn, and the Ascension Fathers. And they taught me that liberty was something else. It was a form of freedom under not constitutional understanding of how our, our founding fathers fought through the U.S. Revolutionary War, the U.S. Civil War, and World War One and World War Two, and the Vietnam conflict. They taught that God had some affairs one nation unalienable rights and people have taken unalienable rights to a point where unalienable rights means free speech under personal opinion well you make an interesting point uh, unalienable rights it's right there in the declaration natural rights right there in the declaration and what that means is god-given these are truths uh, these are eternal truths and that is the foundation and then from there you have the constitution the constitution was written uh, in order to create this government, to create a government that wouldn't be the kind of centralized, iron-fisted Leviathan that's being pushed today by the left in the media and Hollywood and also in the Democrat Party. And the reason is to try and protect the individual. But as Berlin says, you know, government in and of itself doesn't ensure, whatever government, that you're going to have your personal liberty, the ability to govern yourself. These are two different things. They overlap, of course, but they're two different things. And what I'm trying to get at 
is we need to understand the first thing. What is liberty? Why does it matter? Why should somebody like uh, AOC or anybody else get to tell us what we can and cannot do? They think they are more moral than us. They think they're more noble than us. They think they're more uh, compassionate than we are. They claim to be willing to work for the collective, for the better good, for the general welfare. But what they really mean is anybody who disagrees with them, and that's a lot of people, must conform. So we're going to get rid of the insurance companies. You heard uh, Kamala Harris. We're going to get rid of the paperwork. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to get rid of that. And it's just the government and you. And when it's the government and you, the government wins. Yes, I wish uh, Senator uh, Congresswoman Ocasio well because uh, she's giving us a hard time. She's from our neighboring district. And she's basically very uh, entrenched with socialism on the Democratic side of... Look, uh, she basically, she and a couple others killed that Amazon situation in New York. Uh, You had some populist so-called conservatives who were against it, too. I'm against all these tax breaks. But that's not why Amazon left. They left because big labor wanted a piece of them. The leftists wanted a piece of them. And they're going on and on. You know what they said? You know what? What the hell? We don't need to put up with this. We haven't put one brick in place. We'll see you later. Boom, 25,000 jobs gone. That's crazy. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Again, I'm not in favor of all these subsidies for Amazon, the richest company in the face of the earth with the richest man on the face of the earth. But that wasn't what happened there. What happened there is they were harassing the hell out of them. And finally they said, you know what, there's a lot of other towns we can go to. And there are. Jorge, Queens, New York, the great WABC, go. Hey, Mark, thank you for taking my call. You got it. Um, I wasn't born in this country. My family came from Argentina in the late 60s, and we lived and struggled. My parents had multiple jobs and put me through Catholic school. We decided to go back and forth in the 70s to Argentina, and we watched uh, the country collapse under a president dying and then the military taking over. And I'm sitting here as my family came back and said, forget it, we're staying, and we lived our rest of our lives. have my children growing up now, and I'm saying... Wow, my parents did all the struggle for this American dream. And now I'm watching these crazy Democrats talking about these socialist ideals and watching uh, history relive itself like Argentina and Venezuela. And I'm afraid for my children, Mark. I really am. I'm doing everything I can. Let, let Let me tell you something. You have every reason to be afraid for your children and later your grandchildren. And I'm afraid for my children and grandchildren, too. And it's not just this. When you look at the the racist and the race baiting, the racist mentality out there right now against this group or that group, uh, white privilege, and and they just go on and on and on with this radical crap, this identity politics, where they don't treat individual human beings as individual human beings. You got to shake your head and say, what is going on in this country? What are, what have we become? Where are we going? Yeah, unbelievable. And hey, listen, I'm I'm going to do my part to make sure that we we keep this country the, the greatest country in the world and that's why my my parents brought me here and i'm proud to be uh became a citizen in the 90s my wife just became a citizen and we're going to do everything we can we're educating our kids to, to understand what what compassion and liberty is and hard work is and mark I, I appreciate everything you do and i love your show i just started listening to it recently so i love it I'm- thank you jorge i really appreciate it god bless you and welcome here for sure 
Given there are so many in Congress who advance socialist policies, it's no wonder the president reminds Americans how it is freedom that improves lives. The so-called progressives might control most of Congress, but it's still up to us to control them. Our founding fathers counted on we, the people, to hold our government in check. In order to do that, we must know the legal role of Congress. There is a free, easy way to learn the basics. Through most of March, Hillsdale College is offering their free online course on the powers the Constitution gives to Congress and what it doesn't. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. So do your part by registering now to take the excellent course on the Congress for free and then watch it anytime you want. Take it with your book club. Take it with a small group. Take it with your kids. You'll learn more in each session, and so will they, all under an hour than you ever did in school. That I can assure you. And you'll be equipped to hold your congressman accountable. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Stacy, New York, New York, the great WABC, go. April 15th is coming up fast. And you, millions are you going to pay your taxes? Yeah, millions of us are working on our taxes right now. Yeah. We are hoping for a refund, and if we owe, we are saving up. We're scrimping to save to pay our taxes. So you're and really Trump, upset with the government then? And Trump, he spends Hello? our money. So you're really he upset does. with our government then? He spends our money, right? How, you're not answering my question. What do you mean Trump spends your money? Do you know how the appropriation process works? Sir. Who, Ma'am, who appropriates funds? Sir. Ma'am, who appropriates funds? Sir. I'm going to give you one more chance because you sound like a dummy. Who appropriates funds? The president or Nancy Pelosi in the House? Let me say this, sir. We pay our taxes. All well, right. Well, what do you want? You want a parade? So do I. So do most people. Demand to see Trump's tax. Return. You don't get to see Trump's taxes. He doesn't want to show you his taxes. And 63 million of us voted for him. Since what? Is that in the Constitution, Stacy? He said, on Why national- are you such a hater? He said, I pay no federal taxes, and that makes me smart. No, actually, you're pretty stupid. But thanks for your call. She doesn't want Nancy Pelosi's taxes. But she pays her taxes. So we're going to have a parade for Stacy, the liberal who pays her taxes. You know what? Liberals should pay twice as much as taxes as we do. They're the ones always pushing it. And we don't get our deductions. Okay. Well, then I suppose you support smaller government. No, no. I vote for Takamiyo. And I voted for Cuomo. And I voted for all the left-wing kooks. And I pay my taxes. Well, good for you. The hell do you want? Yes.
all so excited about Robert Kraft being in trouble. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a tough world out there. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget this Sunday night. It's a really big show with Ken Starr and me, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all federal law enforcement. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. And good night, Mom. And good night, Dad. Have a great weekend, and God bless you.